Worship in the World is a screen-free worship experience brought to you by Downtown Church. Downtown Church is a community of unfinished people based in Columbia, South Carolina. We believe in asking honest questions while we strive to follow Christ within our own communities, loving people wherever they find themselves on their faith journey. Thank you for being with us today. Great is the 
I am thankful that God's faithfulness is great. I am thankful for new mercies. We are thankful for forgiveness. For we all sin and we all fall short. If we dare think otherwise, we simply fool ourselves and no one else. So now is the time we come to a prayer of confession to acknowledge our humanity before God, being thankful for his faithfulness and forgiveness. Let us pray. God, who has given us so much, we come to you to tell the truth, because the truth is we like to take and hold more than we like to give or offer. We consume more than we contribute. We like to use the gifts and talents given to us to build up our own ego rather than to further your kingdom. We even look down on others' gifts. We sometimes refuse dignity to those who differ from us, and we even go so far as to destroy our beloved planet that you gave to us. Forgive us, God, and hear our silent prayers. God's forgiveness is one that we do not deserve. Let me say that again. God's forgiveness is one that we do not deserve. The good news, though, the good news is that in the name of Jesus, we are forgiven, called to forgive. Loved, called to love. Let us live in peace with God and one another. Amen. For this morning's scripture lesson, 
we took a trip into the Old Testament to the book of Exodus, chapter 31. The scripture reads as follows. The Lord spoke to Moses. See, I have called by name Bezalel, son of Uri, son of Hur, of the tribe of Judah. And I have filled him with divine spirit, with ability, intelligence, and knowledge in every kind of craft to devise artistic designs, to work in gold, silver, and bronze, in cutting stones for setting, and in carving wood in every kind of craft. Moreover, I have appointed with him Aholiab, son of Ahisamach, of the tribe of Dan. And I have given skill to all the skillful, so that they may make all that I have commanded you, the tent of meeting and the ark of the covenant and the mercy seat that is on it and all the furnishings of the tent, the table and its utensils and the pure lampstand with all its utensils and the altar of incense and the altar of burnt offering with all its utensils and the basin with its stand and the finely worked vestments the holy vestments for the priest Aaron and the vestments of his sons for their service as priests and the anointing oil and the fragrant incense for the holy place, they shall do as I have commanded you. The word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. For a moment this morning, I would like to deliver a message, God willing and God able through this title, Doing God's Work. Doing God's work. When we think of God's work, what comes to mind? Who gets to do God's work? What is God's work? Often, often when we hear God's work, we think of, well, oh, that's the pastor or, or, or the preacher. Anyone in clergy, that's got to be God's work. Sean and Mario, the musicians, surely, as beautiful as that was, that had to be God's work. Nonprofit workers, the folks on working with marginalized communities, doctors without borders, missionaries, people who are solving society's woes and ills, surely that is God's work. Usually we assign this language of God's work to people who are called to their work. It's a ministry, it's not just a job. People say things like, I have to do it. I was called to do it. I, I couldn't not do it if I tried to. It brings me joy. It brings me alive. It is my purpose. I am doing God's work. I like to think that the doctor that worked on my shoulder was doing God's work. <laughs> I mean, I consider myself a child of God, and he's working on me, so hey, it's God's work. As I was considering this title and message today, I started thinking, who gets to do God's work? Who gets to do it? And, and as Lucas mentioned last week, my friend Lucas mentioned to you, he said, this summer, we're going to be preaching from a series talking and including little known or even unknown names and people in Scripture, so since we're going to talk about little or unknown folks in Scripture, I'm going to start talking about Moses. <laughs> 
Now, I'm being a little facetious right here because I'm going to open up with Moses, but here's a hint. There's a plot twist. There's a plot. We're not going to end with Moses. There's a plot twist. God is giving Moses some instructions and directions regarding the construction of the tabernacle, the tabernacle. Let me give you a quick overview of what's going on here. And, and I encourage you to read up on this later on your own. It's a fascinating story, by the way. The Israelites are leaving Egypt and headed to the promised land. Moses, you heard of him, we know his name, he's prominent, is leading them to the promised land. But they don't go straight to the promised land. It's not a quick trip. Matter of fact, you've heard of the journey, the wilderness. A journey that due to their fear, their doubt, and their disobedience ends up taking about 40 years to make this trip. 40 years. It's a fascinating journey. Again, I highly encourage you to read up on it. And as the Israelites are wandering around for 40 years, they need a place to worship God. Let me, let me say that again. They need a place to worship God. God gives Moses some instructions on building a tabernacle, a tabernacle. Now, now let me clarify something. What is a tabernacle? Well, it's a place to worship God. Tabernacle translates, it means to dwell, to dwell. The tabernacle, some also refer to it as the tent of meeting. Brothers and sisters, family, siblings, God dwelled in the tabernacle. It's where God would reveal his will. Think of the tabernacle as sort of a mobile worship space. It wasn't a temple. It's not a permanent building. It's not a fixed structure. But it had to move because they were wandering. They were moving. And they couldn't leave the tabernacle, so they had to take it with them every time they moved as they wandered from place to place to place to place. When they would camp, they would put the tabernacle right in the middle of the encampment. And the 12 tribes would camp all around the tabernacle. It was the center of everything. It was where God dwelled. It was important. God gave specific instructions on how to build it. Detailed instructions on what to put in it, how to arrange it, how to align it. There were so many particular elements that had to be constructed according to God's instructions. The tabernacle itself, the brazen altar, the ark of the covenant, the gate of the court, the holy place, the veil, and so on, and so on, and so on. Seems like there were so many things that had to be in place and perfectly laid out for God to dwell in this space. It had to be built just right. I want to say that again, that's important because I want to make sure we really get this. So many things that had to be laid out and in place and perfectly just right for God to dwell in this place. It had to be built just right. Who will build it? Who got to do God's work? Well, Moses couldn't build it. Now check this out. Moses, the Moses, called by God leading God's children to the promised land. Moses was doing God's work, but Moses couldn't do this work. Let me say that again because this needs to resonate with us. Moses was doing God's work, but Moses couldn't do this work. This was not Moses' work to do. Even though Moses was called to lead the people out of Egypt, out of bondage to the promised land, freedom, Moses had a big job, but he didn't have the only job. 
Moses could not do everything. Oh, I hope my leaders in the room are listening to me today. Moses could not do everything. Even though he's the one we know, he got top billing. The journey would not have worked with only Moses. There were some other folks as well. Hope y'all are getting this. Moses had to delegate. Moses had to delegate. His ego and his leadership style had to leave room for others to exercise their gifts and be empowered through the expression of their unique gifts and skills and knowledge and abilities. God tells Moses who to choose. God chooses Bezalel. Anybody heard of Bezalel? Never showed up in any of my Sunday school or vacation Bible school lessons. God told him, choose Aholiab. Have you heard of Aholiab? Don't recall that name showing up anywhere too much. But God tells Moses, we got to build this tabernacle. Get Bezalel and get Aholiab. Let's get them to do this work for us. Two people we never even heard of. What an honor. What an honor to be chosen by God to build the tabernacle. What an honor to be filled with the Holy Spirit. What an honor to be filled with wisdom and understanding and knowledge, ability, intelligence. What an, what an honor to help somebody like Moses. What an honor to be called out by God to do God's work. Bezalel and Aholiab were chosen for their knowledge, skills, and abilities. God had use for them and of them. Oh, oh. There were others as well. See, the scripture says, And I have given skill to all the skillful so that they may make all that I have commanded you. Let, let me say that again because some of us, there's somebody here today, your name may never be in print or writing. We'll never see you on television. You'll never be the headline in the newspaper. But, but God said, I have given skill to all the skillful so that they may make all that I have commanded you. Some of us are making things for God. Our name may not be known, but our gifts are shown. Let me say that again. Our name may not be known, but our gifts will be shown. There are others, many who are unnamed. Our names may be little known or never mentioned, but our skills are necessary. Our names may be little known or not mentioned, but our work is needed. We may not get credit or be remembered as major players, but the part we play has a major impact. Let's go back to this arm for a second. When people see my arm, I get some common questions. I got them this morning. First question, what happened? What happened? Second question, second question, how you feeling? Third question, who's your doctor? <laughs> what happened? How you feeling? Who's your doctor? Okay, I get that. The doctor question will really, really hit me. Because here's the deal. No one ever asked, who was your surgical technician? <laughs> no, nobody ever asked, who was the administrative technician that did all the paperwork and made sure the insurance paid the premium and so on and so forth? Nobody asked that question. No, nobody said, well, who was the anesthesiologist? You know that person that put that big needle in your neck and put you to sleep and woke you up? <laughs> we, we don't ask, and, and that was an important person, by the way. <laughs> we, we don't ask that question. <laughs> Who's your physical therapist? Who are you going to that's torturing you right now every day? That's a whole other story, by the way. <laughs> but it's fun. We're doing it. 
see, see, there were so many people with knowledge and skills and abilities who were not my doctor that contributed to my journey, who played a critical role. Now, admittedly, when people said to me, here's what really hit me preparing the message. When people say, who are your doctor? Oh, Dr. O'Leary. That's my doctor. I go to doctor. That's my doctor. I got his name. I got his name right there. But the other names, I couldn't remember. I couldn't remember. The person who put me to sleep and woke me up, I could not remember their name. I called back though and found out. <laughs> I wrote them all a thank you note. <laughs> you were important. I didn't even know your name, little known, unmentioned. Let's be reminded of that. See, there are several lessons for us in today's scripture, and I'm going to share a few for you that I learned that maybe, maybe, maybe you can apply to your life. What's the first one? We all are called to use those knowledge, the knowledge, skills, and abilities and understanding to build something for God. Let me say that again. We are all called to use our knowledge, skills, abilities, and understanding to build something for God. Here's the deal, though. Not something to contain God. Not something to hold God, but something to glorify God. Our work is a testament to God's glory and the indwelling of the Holy Spirit in us. Who gets to do God's work? The landscaper that trims and aligns and makes beauty out of what appears to be just a desolate yard or area. And you look and say, oh, it's like a painting. No, that's a landscaper. Actually using hedges and trimmers and so on to produce beauty is doing God's work. Is it possible? Absolutely it is. The attorney, the attorney that knows how to read and write a contract with precision that covers all the bases and considers all the factors that most people forget about and most overlook. To God be the glory, you are using your knowledge, skills, and abilities. The paralegal who doesn't get to go to court and stand up before the judge and is never known, but prepares all that work that the attorney does as well. To God be the glory, doing God's work. The teacher who choreographs a room of children to work together in concert in the midst of runny nose, crying, distractions, tantrums, and differences. To God be the glory. You are using your knowledge, skills, and abilities. You are doing God's work. To the teacher's assistant who wonders, why did I decide to do this? You also are doing God's work. The musician who plays and sings, who sings in the way where old words have new meaning. To God be the glory. You are doing God's work. To the sound manager, to the crew that sets up before anybody shows up and stays later than we all leave, we're doing God's work. See, see, see that's part of this process. We all are endowed with something where we can glorify God in work. The next lesson, remember that part about Moses delegating? I want to share something with you. I believe there might be a, a Holiab or Bezalel somewhere in your life, somewhere in your work. Go to work tomorrow. You probably got a, a Holiab or Bezalel sitting on the sidelines waiting for you to let go of something so they can do it. Every now and then, we got to let go as leaders and let others shine and let God's work shine through them. Next point. Your knowledge, skills, and abilities are worthy, necessary, and important. Don't doubt, please, somebody, I'm going to say this really slowly because I really feel I'm speaking to somebody today. Don't doubt the genius that God has placed in you. Do not doubt the genius that God has placed in you. 
Do not dismiss the brilliance that is in the capacity that only you carry. Don't deny the significance of your passion. Don't compare, don't envy, don't desire what somebody else can do. Do what you are here to do. Next point. We don't need to build a special place to meet God. I'm so thankful that during COVID-19 and we couldn't get in this building, that didn't stop God from getting in us. Aren't you happy about that? I'm so glad that our relationship with God did not require a physical place that we had to be at to experience God. See, there's one very important distinction about God's relationship with us before Christ and after Christ. See, prior to the birth, death, and resurrection of Christ, God dwelled in places. After the birth, death, and resurrection, God dwells in our hearts. Though we don't need to build a special place to meet God, what we build should honor God. Relationships should honor God. Our businesses should honor God. Our reputation should honor God. Our community should honor God. What we do and what we build honors God. Let us do our best to let the world see God in us. And last point, and I'm going to sit down. We are all, whether we are known or unknown, we are all filled with God's Spirit. And the Holy Spirit has endowed us with these gifts and knowledge and skills and ability. We all can make a difference if we are open to doing God's work, if we're open to our work being God's work. Let me leave you with a quote that I think makes the point. Listen to this quote. Listen to this quote. Don't ask yourself what the world needs. Ask yourself what makes you come alive and go do that because that's what the world needs. Is people who have come alive. Don't ask yourself what the world needs. Ask yourself what makes you come alive and go do that because what the world needs is people who have come alive. That's a quote. Now, if I said that was from Dr. King or from Gandhi, you might say, oh, those are familiar. We, We know those names. But that quote is not from Dr. King or from Gandhi. I decided to end today with this inspirational quote from somebody you may have never heard of, Howard Thurman. Howard Thurman. Though he was not Dr. King or Gandhi, he is credited with introducing and connecting Dr. King and Gandhi. He's a pastor, a professor, a philosopher, a theologian, a leader, an author, Howard Thurman. A man with a building on the campus of Boston University named after him, yet many students and others don't know who he is or his contributions. Born the grandson of a former slave, he preached the philosophy of common ground, which taught that humans need to seek an inner spiritual happiness that would lead to them sharing their experience in community with others. Something about sharing experiences that bring us closer together. Howard Thurman. He's worth getting to know. He wasn't king. He wasn't Gandhi. But just like Aholiab and Bezalel weren't Moses, the journey could not have gone on without him. Don't ask yourself what the world needs. Ask yourself what makes you come alive and go do that. Because what the world needs is people who have come alive. What the world needs are people doing God's work.
somehow or another feels like the light of God is shining on this place right now. I don't know about you, but that's how I feel. Family, let us come alive in what we do for God's work. Let us be alive. Let the Holy Spirit in us show up in all that we do so God may be glorified. Now may the grace of God and the sweet communion of the Holy Spirit rest, rule, and abide with us henceforth now and forevermore. Let the church say amen. 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 Go in peace.